Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Taekwondo is a gift. It is a gift that was given to us by the Korean masters who came to the United States. It is a gift we give to ourselves, and it is a gift that we give to our children, to our community, and to our country. That is the essential message of today's guest, Master Chan Lee. My name is Mark Sirianis. I'm your host. I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life magazine, and I'm a third Don Black Belt. Master Lee is a second-generation Taekwondo practitioner. He is a sixth Don Kukiwan Black Belt. He is the son of esteemed Grand Master J.K. Lee, who came to the United States in the 1970s and settled in the Wisconsin area, establishing a foothold for his family and for his Taekwondo legacy. Master Chan Lee has taken up the mantle and he is among an elite group of first generation American Taekwondo masters that are American educated. He has a degree in communications from the University of Wisconsin and he has set his mind as have other guests that we've had on this show who are in his peer group, Master Chun Ri, the son of the late Grandmaster Jun Ri, and Grandmaster Sung Si Kim, who we've had on this program. These men are all interested in elevating the practice of the martial arts, improving the number of people in the United States that practice the martial arts, and creating a global network for education, for professional development, and for networking. Master Chan Lee, in that regard, has founded the American Sabunim Association, which has the goal of uniting martial arts teachers throughout the world to ensure high standards in the martial arts industry and increasing public awareness of the martial arts and an understanding of how, if we were to elevate the percentage of folks that train in the martial arts, that we would not only be improving the martial arts industry, but we would be improving our society in general. My talk with Master Lee is only about 40 minutes, but it literally could have gone on for hours. And I look forward to connecting with him again in the future and following up on what it is that he is doing to make living our Taekwondo life the best that it can be. Welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. I have the pleasure to be speaking today to uh, an extraordinary gentleman, Sixth Don Taekwondo Master Chan Lee. Sir, thank you for taking time to talk to our uh, listeners. Great. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you. So we have a, uh, there's a significant amount of connection that I think that we have that we, we haven't talked previously. But um, I train with Master Edward Park in New York. I've been a longtime student of Grandmaster Wyatt Park. So I know that there's a, a strong connection between Master Ed and, and, and yourself. Uh, and we have had, um, I was on his podcast, and, he, and he's written some articles for the magazine. Um, Dr. Peter Peering, I believe, is a student at one, of, at one of your locations. That's correct. Dr. Peering is a student at our J.K. Lee Lake Country uh, location. Uh, I think he's been a student for about six or seven years. And, uh, and you know, Grandmaster Park in New York, I mean, he is the name of Taekwondo in New York. You know, he's kind of one of the, the, 
the guys that brought Taekwondo to the uh, New York area. Uh, absolutely, and it's been my pleasure to be uh, associated with the Park family for for over 30 years. So um, I thank you. So you are a, um, and and I think in our in our quick pre-call, I, I use the term about new generation of Taekwondo. So we'll talk about that. But you are a second generation uh, Taekwondo family member. Um, and practitioner. So if you can tell us a little bit about that, your, your, your dad is a very esteemed grandmaster in his own right. Yeah. Um, my father, um, is uh, a grandmaster in Taekwondo, uh, the, Ch- the Changmukwan style, uh, and system. I grew up in the Taekwondo school, probably very similar to master, uh, Eddie Park and, and his brother. And, uh, you know, typical immigrant story, uh, he came to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because I often often ask him, I said, you know, in the 70s, a lot of the Korean uh, grandmasters and Korean immigrants usually went to the coast. They either went to uh, California or they went to, to New York. And he decided to go to small-time Milwaukee. And I, and I asked him, I said, why did you go to Milwaukee? And he said, well, one, not a lot of people were doing taekwondo here, so the market was wide open. And two, he said, uh, you know, he grew up in a small town and he preferred small cities, and he thought this would be a great way, a great place for him to, to uh, raise a family. So we started here and, um, you know, typical, uh, grew up in the school, went to private schooling. You know, my father thought the key to uh, doing anything in this country is, is education. Um, and uh, I went to college here uh, at the University of Wisconsin. And um, going into college, if you would have asked me if I was going to do Taekwondo as a career, I probably thought you were crazy. That's why I went to college, right? And uh, through my experience in college, I, I really found another love for Taekwondo. I, I taught Taekwondo in college, had about 70 students at the University of Wisconsin, um, and just really enjoyed, um, uh, you know, teaching uh, something that I grew up doing to other people. And then um, right after that, I decided, hey, you know what, Dad, I'm going to help you out. Would love to, like, uh, help you with the schools and so forth. And and it wasn't a very popular decision. A lot of the immigrant kids at that time, you know, went on to like doing a lot of professional type careers, right? Um, and, and trying to assimilate in, in the uh, in, in the country here. Um, so I, I just helped my dad, and um, you know, uh, twenty odd plus years later, I am uh, I'm still doing it, and uh, still have a passion for taekwondo, and and I really believe it's uh, one of the uh, most incredible gifts given to people to learn how to like really propel themselves to the next level in life. Well, that's, that's great. That, that is great. And and you certainly, uh, you answered a number of the questions that I have. One of them, um, which was on my mind, which was about being in Wisconsin as opposed to the coast. Uh, but, but you certainly have established a, a strong reputation in your area and nationally and, and internationally. And, it, and it's a great legacy, but uh, it's an interesting, uh, I think that you, and I think one of the interesting things about being in the park organization for the number of years that I have is that there is a generational span. And one of the things that I've seen that is an interesting balance. And I wanted to get your perspective on it is that um, we, we do have a strong transition from a group of immigrant masters and grandmasters who are, steeped in the art and extremely bright and extremely astute and overcame certain challenges to establish their, their, their dominance and their, and their place in the market to a new generation of people who grew up in the Dojang in the United States, but also have that level of American education, uh, American literacy, American uh, business savvy, and are trying to balance 
the tradition with some new and progressive business ideals. Do you see that as being uh, something that is consistent with people of your your peer group, or do you see that as being, as you said, sort of against the norm? Well, you know, I, if I think when I did it uh, 20 plus years ago in the 90s, um, you didn't see a lot of the immigrant kids get into the business. I, I just think, um, you know, one, you know, my parents did okay, but it wasn't like they were, you know, going gangbusters with their living, right? It was just kind of like, it's what we did, you know, it got us through. Um, you know, I want my kids to live the uh, American dream of, you know, becoming a doctor, lawyer, some some professional, and, and, and that was kind of like the main, that was the mainstream, right? And, um, and, and, you know, trying to assimilate into the culture, I mean, all that stuff. And, and um, I, I think now you have a lot of the people that, you know, we love Taekwondo, right? I mean, we grew up on it. And, and we didn't realize how much of a gift um, our parents gave back to, the, to society through Taekwondo. And you see these amazing things happen. I mean, I remember um, um, one of my father's a very humble person, and uh, we went to the airport. And I went to drop him off to, to go to California because uh, he resides in California in the winter. And this, this gentleman just ran out of nowhere, brought a cart, unloaded the baggage from the car, did a deep bow to my father. And he's like, sir, in front of the line and so forth. And I was like, yeah, who's this guy? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I taught him in the 70s. He's one of my students. And, and the respect and reverence that they, they got for giving these people kind of the right mindset and the right way to live and the right way to be be themselves, you know, is is is, is completely humbling, and 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 I believe it's kind of like part of our jobs to help um, grow that legacy, to help um, people become better through Taekwondo, um, and we, you know, as instructors, we've gotten all these great letters from from students that you know they became more confident, they became more focused, they became more disciplined um, in life at an early age because uh, Taekwondo helped them with that, you know, and, uh, and there's a deep level of respect. And, and, um, and I believe, you know, it's, it's part of our job is to, to, to really propagate that, that legacy uh, and to help uh, Taekwondo grow in this country with that. Um, you know, the other thing that concerns me in this country is that uh, the martial art industry as a whole is probably the most unregulated industry in all of America. Like, it is, it is harder to be a barber and get a barber's license than being a technical master. There is no oversight. Anybody that has a martial arts degree or whatever, they can go get a lease and open a martial arts school. And, um, and that's one of the things, like, when you said, you know, Grandmaster Park or Master Park or my father, you know, Grandmaster J.K. Lee or whoever, Grandmaster Y.H. Lee, and you said these people's names, you said it, and you're like, man, these guys are – these are like human beings I aspire to be. Uh, these are people that I'd like to like go up to be like and, and, and learn that type of discipline focus and, and not just in martial arts, but you know, how they conducted themselves. Right. And, um, and now you just have these people that just, you know, everybody's a master, <laughs> right? Everybody's right. a master. And, and I, oh, um, you know, I, I, yes, sir. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think this is a great, this is a great stream of conversation. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I think, you know, taking that title also means that there's a certain level of responsibility we have to that title. Uh, and that's part of why uh, I helped start American Taekwondo Association was to say, okay, guys, 
if we want to be the ultimate teacher, then we still have to be the ultimate student. We have to keep learning. We have to keep increasing our business practices. We have to grow as human beings and individuals. Uh, and I still, I know, and I, I still cringe as, as my uh, kids tell me, they, they call it cringeworthy. I, and I understand that I, I cringe when someone calls me master because I feel like I haven't mastered anything, right? I'm, I'm still in the beginning of my journey, even though I've been doing Taekwondo for a very long time. Um, and, and in terms of that, and, but I hold that title in high esteem because I, I have to constantly try to, to master myself and master, uh, new things and, and grow as a human being and, and become a better father, a better leader and, and a better teacher. Uh, and, 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 you know, be someone to aspire to be. And I, I think mastery is something you never achieve. It's something that you keep chasing. And, and so the American Taekwondo Association is a group of really passionate Taekwondo teachers that get together once a year and we share, uh, different drills, different ideas, different ways to, to teach, different skill sets to learn. Um, the second day of the conference is based on better business practices and, and, and procedures and, and quality control mechanisms and, and making sure that we have the right uh, um, you know, policies and procedures for our employees and that our employees are understanding how to uh, be a better teachers themselves and, and all of that. And, and so um, that's one of the reasons I, I, I uh, got involved with it is because of the uh, deep lineage I have with martial arts and and um, I'd have to say 50, 60 percent, maybe 50, 60 percent of the people are a, a lot of second gen masters like myself. Um, and it's it's interesting to me because now I'm like one of the older guys. Right. Um, sure. I'm, I'm in, in my late 40s and, <laughs> and I see all these 20 and 30 something kids that are not going getting into our industry. Uh, and I just want to make sure that I'm able to give back to them and say, listen, um, uh you know, this is the way you should operate as a teacher and, and so forth. And and I have great examples like Grandmaster Y.H. Park and Grandmaster Shang Lee from who uh, was the former president of uh, USAT or USPU. And, you know, you have all these uh, great Grandmasters uh, like Grandmaster Bang Su Han, uh, who, who brought Hapkido to this country. I mean, there's a lot sure. of uh, people like uh, Grandmaster Jun Lee and, you know, they're all slowly passing that we have to help, you know, build upon what they they created for us uh, in the 60s and 70s, you know. That's that's great. And that's very interesting. And, and, I, and, and you hit on a number of points. And one of them related to the, uh, the legitimacy of what it is that we do and what we perpetuate. And that was one of the, the reasons why I, I, I really particularly enjoyed my conversation with uh, Grandmaster Sung Si Kim on his Eitan uh, Kukiwan exam when we discussed how – rigorous and how um, difficult and how how hard he worked to to accomplish that that goal and how it it really uh inspired me as it related to the fact that he told me that i think significantly less than 50 percent of the people you know it's 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 upsetting for them but 50 percent less than 50 percent of the people who who tr- made that trek to korea to the kukiwan to test uh, were able to achieve the the passing grade on, on that exam, and for me, the inspiring part of it is the fact that I believe that if there is going to be the art is going to and the belt is going to have any legitimacy and value, then we need to continue to perpetuate high standards for ourselves, for the institutions, for the students that we that we that we train. It's the only way that 
we really can look at ourselves and say it isn't more than a business or it isn't more than just, as you said, a, a, a title. So uh, I, I see a group of people that are extremely vested in that, like yourself, like Master Edward Park. And the other part of it is, is that in talking to second generation folks, which I interviewed uh, on the first anniversary of the passing of Grandmaster Junri, uh, interviewed his son and interviewing yourself and knowing Master Eddie, is that the legacy of that immigrant generation to a large degree has been young men and women who, who have come to appreciate and value what they received and are looking to um, share that and, and pass that along. And, and I don't know that necessarily when those folks came to the country that they understood that as the legacy, um, maybe in a general sense, but that it really is being uh, perpetuated in this generation, your generation of martial arts masters. And I think that's, that's, that's really inspiring. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, I, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta walk the walk and you can't just say it in name. Right. And, um, you know, Grandmaster uh, Sun Kim is a good friend of mine and, we're the same age and, you know, to, to, to see what he did to go to Korea and humble himself to get his ace on in front of the cookie one board and, and, and push himself to do it. You know, he has a thriving business. There's no reason, right. You know why he has to do this, but this is, this is, um, this is why he has a thriving business, right. It's because right. his students see that he's still continuing, continuing to practice, continuing to like improve himself and so forth. Um, you know, I, uh, we were never a straight up cookie one school. Uh, my father started off in ITF, right? That right. Was the original Taekwondo, International Taekwondo Federation Taekwondo. He, he trained under General Che. And my father is still loyal to that system. We do 1960s style Taekwondo, right? The stuff that they do in the military and, you know, sure. real fighting and so forth. It wasn't sport Taekwondo. And, you know, and when WT came out, you know, we just kind of looked at it and we're like, man, you're going you're gonna to get killed. You know, we had a kind of a poor attitude about it, you know? And over time, my father said, you know what, if, you were, if we're going to call ourselves Taekwondo, we should know all types of Taekwondo. So we went on learning the Tegbuk forms and before that, the Pagay forms. And, and we went over that along with doing the ITF. And, and, uh, and with that, you know, um, I, I got my Cookie uh, One Don certifications and, uh, and went to the test. And then, you know, I went... You know, I have a, I have a good business here in, in Wisconsin, and I still there was no need necessary for me to do this. But I went down to Chicago three years ago and went to the uh, three and a half day Cookie uh, One licensing examination, and I'm the only licensed Cookie One school here in the state of Wisconsin. And I did it, you know, not because it's going to help our business; it hasn't, right? But it was just to say, okay, this is the additional standards that I have to get to live with, live what I preach. And saying, hey, listen, I am going to get better as an instructor. The other thing that um, is important is uh, to make sure that, you know, we go beyond what's asked of us. You know, um, concussion protocols is very important. Uh, and so not instituting head kicks and, you know, the old school idea, right? You know, suck it off, get in there, you know. <laughs> you know, right. suck it off, you got to be able to do that is not necessarily the right answer, you know, and that we're not filling out. You know, it's the right no, and that's and, <laughs> right, and that's a transformation of 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 mentality in terms of understanding. But very much also like in in the NFL, it becomes more of an understanding of the science and the biology and the physiology of it. That uh, you're 100 percent right. That the ability to perhaps absorb a kick to the head doesn't make one more 
of a Taekwondo practitioner or more of a man or a woman um, than someone who's willing to be safe in that regard because there's longevity issues and there's issues of, of health and safety. So, I, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And I think that that's, you know, looking at your um, the, at the American Sovereign Association, I, I think it's very interesting to see how people of your generation have taken their education and business uh, experience and and acumen and have now created um, what you've done is, is is extraordinary because there is such a people don't understand from the outside, but there's such an unbelievable disconnect in terms of martial arts. Martial arts is such a broad category uh, that there are not necessarily any type of cohesive resources that people can go to to teach them how to do the things that you're you're working with people. It's very much like being going to law school, right? You go to law school and you learn the law, but you don't necessarily learn how to practice law. So we Correct. learn in Taekwondo, we learn practice, skills, right. right? But we don't necessarily learn business management and, and, and business management. Was that your concept at the time that you started ASA? Was that was that the idea, or was it as global as that, or was it narrower than that? You know, um, my 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 first mentors um, and friends, um, you know, Master Daehun Lee in Sarasota, and uh, and and Grandmaster Chung Park in Florida, um, very old school. Same thing, you know, old grandmasters, uh, sons of grandmasters, and so forth. And um, before Asa, before Kama, before. Martial Art Industry Association, before any, you know, technical professional, before anything, there was nothing, right? And so literally, I would get on an airplane and meet these, these two individuals, and we would go and visit some of the top martial art organizations in the 90s. And, hey, we heard this guy has a big school. Let's see how he's doing it. And and we would learn, you know, business at first, right? And we'd, we'd oh, okay, this guy has this program, or he's got a unique way of signing people up, and so forth. And it initially started with just, okay, let's just find better ways to like make better money, right? More money and sure. a thriving business and so forth. And then over time, it became more than that. It wasn't just like, okay, you know, as our school grew and, and as, as we became successful, um, we realized, you know, it's not just about the money, right? You have to be what you, you, you take someone's money. Yes. And they're asking you to teach their kid how to kick and punch and do all these other things. But we're also asking you to be a role model for this kid, right? But asking you to be, you know, a good influence on their child, right? I mean, no one pays $169 uh, a month for lessons or, or, you know, pays thousands of dollars for lessons because you taught them how to do a good sidekick, right? They're, they're, they're paying you because they want you to make sure that their kid has a better shot of becoming a better human being because they took lessons from you. And so becoming a better you, a better master, a better teacher, then we looked at overall, you know, um, are you, you know, are you working yourself to be a better teacher and learning, you know, new things in the state of the art type of stuff, in addition to running, you know, good management practices for your school and things that are sound, you know, and making sure that we're keeping our, our students safe from, uh, you know, sexual predators, you have a good social media po policy. All, all these things are all very, very important that, that went to say, okay, overall, we want you to be the best product that you can be. And through that education, guess what? You know, business will be good. Money will flow, right? But if you just focus on, I think, business practices, I think, which I think a lot of other organizations do, 
we feel like there's a certain thing, there's a certain level of morality and a certain level of character education that we still need to continue to lo- love and feel and, and do. Uh, and, and then, you know, some of the, like the bigger school owners that I've met in the country, you know, um, they're still out there training. I mean, my father is 77. He's still, he's still trained. He's like well, that's on great. the floor three times a week, sweating, yelling at students, kicking with them. You know, our, our last black belt test that happened in, uh, uh, September, you know, he ran three miles with the candidates at his age. I mean, he's still out there huffing and puffing and, and doing it. And, um, you know, and, and he's, by the way, and, and doesn't look 77, looks very vibrant. This is the type of, of thing I feel like, um, I have to continue to perpetuate for myself, but then also I'd like to kind of be that as a beacon for our, our, our younger juniors coming up that, you know, Hey, this is what we need to do. We have to uphold this. And, and there's nothing like that in the industry. If you just go into any other industry association meeting, it's more like, all right, this is how you get the most money out of your clients, right? right. This is how you can get like 20 students all at once. And it's a lot of that type of material. And, and, and then you sit there and you, and at first it's like, Oh, enlightening. And then you're like, that's it. That's all you guys got. You know, how do I become right. a teacher? You know, um, how do I make my communities better? You know, and I don't say this to brag, and we did it because it was the right thing to do. You know, one of our students had leukemia and um, we did a break-a-thon because they didn't have enough money to cover some of the hospital costs. And our first break-a-thon did $8,000. $8, this kid uh, ended up, you know, being uh, cured of, of leukemia. Uh, he's, uh, he's now like a 28-year-old fighter, firefighter. Wow. doing the break-a-thon. And our school now has raised uh, just over a million dollars for children's cancer care research locally here in Milwaukee. And, that is wonderful. And I, and, I say, and, and I say that is because we didn't do it because it was like a great way to like generate business. It was, it was like, it's part of what we do as martial artists to make our community better. But the byproduct is, man, I have a lot of doctors in my school. I don't know how I have a lot of doctors in my school that put their kids in our, in our academy. Sure. And, and our school is pretty well known. Um, my last lease I negotiated here at our location like the landlord knew who I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to put a, you know, I'd have to show him a performer. He just kind of said, Hey, you guys have been around for a long time. We'd love to have you as a tenant. And I think, you know, now, you know, that's the type of stuff I want, you know, not just me, but I, I want all my juniors and, 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 and people that are struggling out there and say, hey, this is how we're supposed to operate your martial arts school. And, and don't just be a martial arts school. Go, go beyond that. Be a community resource. Be be a be a part of your community that you're a part of, where they go. Gosh, I'm so glad this business is here. You know, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I I agree with you. And I think that you know we we talk about the tenets of Taekwondo and we talk about the philosophies of Taekwondo, but that if you're not out there doing community outreach and as you said, walking the walk, not just talking the talk, then you're you're really not setting the right example for your students your students don't fully and you know in any of the times i had the opportunity my son attended a birthday party at the dojang so i had the opportunity to sit amongst the parents in a way that was a little different for me this weekend um than than normal because i wasn't sitting as an instructor and i wasn't sitting as a student but i was sitting as a parent for a birthday party and listening to the, the parents talk about what they loved about being at the school and the sense of community and the role models and none of it related to saying, wow, you know, master Ed's kicks are so sharp and crisp. Um, it was all about, you know, the, the, the various aspects of, and the things that their children had um, received outside of the specific curriculum. So 
I, I, I think it's wonderful that you're, 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 you're leading that charge. Um, tell me about the scope and the gravity of, of uh, ASA at this point. Um, how, how large an organization is it? What is the goal for it? And how importantly, you know, in having this conversation, if there's, if there's, uh, what are the requirements to become a member of it? If I have folks that are listening that are masters or um, school owners that are that are out there in the um, in in the United States that are interested in in in, in connecting with you, how, how what is the way for them to do that? What are the requirements? Well, well, the the first thing is everything's loose, right? You know, I'm not gonna like. Um, I don't feel like I have to micromanage people. You're either going to do it or not, right? <laughs> you're going to you know follow these standards or not, right? And um, and so what, uh, it, it's we have roughly about 200 schools across the country uh, that are mostly taekwondo based, and they come to our annual meeting in in uh, uh, the last few times it's been in Las Vegas, and um, we train our the first day, the second day, you know we learn. Uh, better business practices and procedures to, to run your schools better. And uh, and all our speakers are very top-notch type of individuals and uh, great speakers with very sound advice. Uh, and uh, we meet uh, once a year. The other, other thing that we are uh, working on, which we haven't completed, is um, figuring out that, like American teachers, if you want to be a teacher, every year you need to use some type of recurrent training, like 20 hours of professional development. And so we feel that it's the same thing we need to do as teachers. And it could be anything on from anything from safety, like uh, CPR, uh, AED training, uh, trauma training, um, and, uh, and helping, you know, uh, people that way to anything from taking a class on, um, you know, how to spot, you know, uh, how to have good procedures and how to spot possible predatory behaviors of, of bad people. Um, to uh, doing a Pumse seminar and making sure you're up on the latest Pumse, right? Because um, every five years, the Cookie One updates the Pumse. Are you up to date on standards and procedures with the Cookie One? The, the other thing, too, is, you know, working with, like, other local professionals. I know uh, I made my staff. We did six hours uh, on a lecture on um, concussion protocols and training and, and what, uh, you know, is considered a concussion and so forth, um, you know, management of, of your floor, uh, pulling in, you know, guest speakers and, and people to talk to kids with uh, autism and issues. So these are all different things that we, we have loosely uh, written down and saying, listen, we would love for you to work on 20 hours of professional development every year. If you want to do more, you can, just to make you a better teacher and master. The other thing, too, is we uh, came up with a new site, uh, website, uh, and that website would help rate martial arts teachers across the country. Uh, so the more certifications you have and the most, more professional development you have, you know, a uh, consumer could look at that and go, gosh, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's, he's, he's done all these things. And, you know, he'd be a great person to work with my kid and look at all his ratings and so forth. Because right now we're at the whim of Google and Yelp to let us know who the right. best martial arts schools are, right? Uh, and yes, you know, if you're a good martial arts school, you'll have good, by default, you'll have good uh, Google ratings and, and Facebook ratings as well. But, you know, there's a couple people that you just go, really? This guy's teaching martial arts classes? Who is this guy, you know? And, and, and so anyway, uh, that's that. anybody can be involved in the ASA. You know, you just got to be a passionate teacher of Taekwondo. 
Make sure you have some certain certifications at a minimum, a cookie one certification, right? Uh, but we do have non-cookie one schools. I have a bunch of uh, high-level ITF people that are also come to the American Sovereign Association. So, like I said, it's open to like people that are uh, professional teachers, and um, and I think one thing that's unique about our group is it, it it's uh, uh, it's like the real teachers teacher. Like you can talk to each one of these people, and they're like, well, you wouldn't mind wearing a doublebook and, and kicking some targets with them, you know, and, and learning, you know, right, I mean, right. We, and, and, um, you know, one of my, um, I don't want to name my juniors. One of my juniors was like, sir, I don't think anybody's going to come on Friday and train, you know, that's like too early in the morning in Vegas. Are you serious? I, you know, I don't think, I think we need to push the times back or whatever. And I was like, you know, this tells me what type of people they are if they, if they show up and lo and behold, 85% of the people were in doublebooks training, at 10 a.m. in Vegas, you know, from a long Thursday night. That's phenomenal. No, that's phenomenal. Yeah, and I was like, and, all right. And I told, I, I looked at my junior. I said, see, that's the only way you tell. You, you got to wear the doublebook and want to like sweat, right? That that that's 100. percent You're you're hit the nail on the head. And you know, I uh, from from my own personal experience and following the group. For those that are not that familiar with it, I mean, just seeing the uh, the lineup of workshops speakers and seminars that you have lined up for your uh for your summit is just the last two years that I've looked at it it's just an impressive array of of really renowned and really decent many of them I've had the opportunity to interview either through the magazine or through the podcast over the year years and really really a terrific group so it is really a a great uh incubator for high level knowledge of people that are actively involved in various aspects of, of the martial arts. So, so I definitely applaud you for your, I know that that's not an easy thing to put together. I'm sure you probably the day after it ends, take a break and then start working on the next conference right away. hundred percent. And, but you know, I, I selfishly, it's also for me, right? Because I, I, I'm, I'm an, I'm a martial art nerd. I love to keep learning new things and I'm happy that uh, our speakers and the people that are there are willing to share their knowledge with us and uh, it really is an amazing uh group of uh people uh that are there well it's it's terrific now that that sort of leads me into um in the interest of time and winding down so you're, you're involved in so many things you're involved in the business management of a, a number of locations you have five or six locations of your uh of jk lee uh, academy i believe you're 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 managing asa do you find how do you manage to find? I know that the, I know the answer is you do find time, but how do you find manage to work in time for your own training and development when you're at six on already and there are so few? We have that pyramid of people, right? That are there are fewer and fewer people that are able to assist us as we as we get higher on the uh, on the you know in in our ascension of rank. Right. You know, if you're the teacher, by default you got to have more knowledge in the people you're teaching, right? So I really yeah. believe it's a, it's a constant um, search for new knowledge and new things and, and new ways to kind of improve the way you're teaching your current stuff and then new ways to kind of say, um, like I, I did, uh, I did uh, three and a half years of Brazilian jiu-jitsu because everybody's like, oh, you got to learn how to like do a ground game. And, and I went and I went and, you know, I hated every minute of it because I'm not a ground guy. But I, I, right. I forced myself to do it because I, I, I got to make sure I know what to do and what advice I gave. 
And then um, I found uh, a new guy named uh, Mr. Dave Young, who is sure. probably one of the premier experts in in, in hand-to-hand combat and in, in uh, reality defense. And he looked at it and he goes, man, this is why this won't work on the street, and this is what you need to do. And I went, oh, there goes half the curriculum that I was working on. And <laughs> right, right, right. I think... And I think if you keep searching knowledge and you make time for yourself to learn, right? Because you always make time, right? And, and the two ways I do it, one is I, I pick up a new skill and then I practice it myself and then I introduce it to my staff and then we all work on it together. And then I bring in the expert that taught me the skill and then we, we can, we're on a leg up. We're not starting from ground zero. And so we learn new things that way, right? There are certain things I'm not really passionate about that I, I still do, um, but I need to do it. Um, like I, I'm not a big Kumse guy. I, like I understand Kumse right. and I'll do it and whatever. So I assigned that to one of my staff and he has all the latest procedures and drills and whatever. And, and, and he also contributes and then we all train together, you know what I mean? And learn. so then we can make, teach it to our students and our, and our competition, competition team better. So, you know, you just got to make time like two times a week, just like any exercise program, right? You just like brushing your teeth. You got to, you just got to make time for it. Uh, and then, you know, you got to make time for your professional development. And then from that, you got to surround yourself with like top notch people. And I'm, I'm blessed because I have, um, I have three masters and I have a team of over a hundred staff members that are just amazing. And they wouldn't be on our team if they didn't have the right attitude of training and wanting to be the best through martial arts. And they're all in house. Like I haven't like gone out and recruited. I, you know, we have people with similar mindsets and, and that's kind of how we built our organization, and uh, and that's kind of how we do it. That's wonderful, and it's a it's it's obviously a successful formula by virtue of of your success, but also by virtue of your uh, demeanor and your um, your your, your perspectives. You're a very uh, in following you on social media and in knowing people that we share in common. Your your upbeat and positive approach to uh, the industry and to to life and to relationships is uh, extremely admirable. So I, I, I it, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So let well, me ask you, you. about um, my my pleasure. Let me ask you about what lies ahead ahead for for you, uh, for your dojang, for your dojang plural, and for your um, for for Asa for the for the upcoming uh, you know quarter or year. Uh, what, 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 what can we look forward to people that are, that are following you? Well, you know, um, I'm a kind of a big picture guy. I'm not, I'm not a micromanager. Right. And, um, I feel like, like right now, um, there's not enough people training in martial arts. I, I, I singularly think, you know, there's all these things that are happening in society with children right now, right? They're, they're too much screen time. They're not active enough. Uh, our kids are, you know, sometimes they call them snowflakes. They give up too easy. They're millennials, right. yada, yada, yada. We've heard all that stuff, right? And we believe, I personally believe, I think Taekwondo is really the thing that can help cure that, right? It could really help kids learn about what hard work is, right? Not giving up, trying your best, being confident. We know all the positives of what Taekwondo can do. But if you look at the stats on a nationwide level, only 3% of the population does martial arts, right? And even that, it's probably even smaller for people that even practice Taekwondo, right? And if you look at yoga, right? I remember when yoga first came onto the scene, 
like no one did yoga. Yoga, you know, yoga is right. like something like the Beatles did. You know, <laughs> they, they went to right. they went they went to India and did yoga or something. And it was like kind of like this fringe thing. Like, was it a cult? We had no idea. And now you look at like twenty five or thirty percent of Americans have have done or will be doing some form of yoga. We got like we got surpassed by yoga. What would happen? And, right. and I think there's a there's a level of education that we need to do as martial art teachers. Now, I have six locations. We have just over 2,000 students, like 2,100 or so. And, and you know, I'm in a town of Milwaukee of a million people. If you put 3% of Wisconsin or Milwaukee, I don't have 30,000 students, right? So I, I, tell our, 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 I tell our staff, we need to do a better job of educating parents and educating the masses of getting people to do martial arts and helping society become stronger. And I really believe it's, a, it's, it's our way of, of giving back to this great country that, that has given to us. And, um, and that's our gift. And that's the gift that my parents brought, my, my father and mother brought. And this is my way of kind of like making sure that we build strong kids for a strong future. And, and that's what a is about. And it's very congruent. So to me, it's like, Personally, locally, I hope my student, my school has thirty thousand students at some point, right? And on a global level, uh, in, in in the United States, I hope ten percent of Americans have done taekwondo or martial arts at some point. You know, and, and you know, do martial arts. If it's not taekwondo, do martial arts. I think it's just. Really I, I, for your I think it's I think it's a wonderful sentiment, and I think that what we see within the confines of the oasis. Uh, and the safe place, right? Pe- for for people that I know, the, the Dojang is is their oasis. It's their safe place. That the values and the virtues that are taught there among the people. That you're 100 percent right. That it's a formula for not only success in the industry, but for a better, really for a better world. I don't think that that is an an exaggeration in terms of of the way that I view it as well. Which is that more people practicing Taekwondo, true Taekwondo, and martial arts is a formula that the only end result will be people being more civilized and kind and benevolent towards one another. So, so we share that. We Correct. certainly share that, that understanding. And um, I, I thank you for that. In winding down, let's, how can people find out more about uh, ASA and can find out more if they wanted to get in touch with you? What would be the best place for them? And we'll put those in the show notes. What would be the best place for them to connect with you? Well, um, uh, they can contact. We can go to our website, and it's uh, America. Actually, it's Sabumnim USA. S A B U M N I M USA dot com. So you can you can connect on us, connect with us on the web that way. In addition, um, if you want to connect with me personally, um, I, I hate social media, but it's it's the way the world is right now. Sure. But uh, I, I I am on social media a lot, and I think it's a great tool. And so you can friend me on Facebook. Uh, I'm Chan Lee in Wisconsin. Uh, and don't, yeah, if you put Chan Lee in the world, there's a lot of us there. But uh, put Chan Lee sure, in Wisconsin, we'll, martial artist, and you can connect with me there. That's wonderful. And what we'll do is we'll 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 put those specific links in the show notes so that it'll make it easier for folks to navigate towards um, getting in touch with you. Absolutely. And there's a um, there is a private school members group that we made on Facebook. So we have a lot of like people have questions about certain things or practices or policies. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the, one of our members recently had some issues with staff and we had to help them navigate that and they ended up firing the person. So there's a lot of different things that, 
great advice from real people that have gone through it. And, you know, and sometimes you need a sounding board from other people that, are, that have been through the same stuff. You know what I mean? So. Well, I, I, I thank you, uh, Master Chenley, for, for taking the time to talk to us. I feel like this is just um, scraping the surface of a, of a conversation that, as we joked earlier, but I, we could go on for four or five hours. Um, I look forward <laughs> to, to connecting with you in the future, and I look forward to speaking to you um, further uh, as time goes on. And, and I thank you uh, for, for all that you're doing to perpetuate the, the, the values and the virtues of Taekwondo and for all that you're doing to really help and assist keeping martial arts practice and our, uh, our beloved martial art as, um, as strong and as powerful as it is. Yes. And thank you for everything you do to your, your, your media and, uh, and making Taekwondo, you know, one of the most popular martial arts in the, in the world. So thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm completely honored. And if there's anything else you need, please let me know. I'd be happy to, to help you promote. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I look forward to speaking to you. And Master Ed Noir was speaking to you today. He said, of course, to send his best regards. Yes, sir. Absolutely. With spending time in training and working on the podcast and the magazine, it is difficult for me sometimes to get out to the store or the supermarket. And when that occurs, I always rely on Instacart. A friend of mine introduced me to Instacart about a year ago, and it has really changed the way that I shop. I go on the computer or on my phone. I have multiple stores to choose from in the neighborhood. I can select all of my products for delivery, and it'll give me other alternative products based upon my preferences. And it's really, really a helpful tool towards making your life a heck of a lot easier no more worrying about trying to find parking at the supermarket or standing in line at the checkout counter. You can just do all of it from your computer. It'll help you save money by giving you suggestions on deals and by providing you alternative products. And shoppers will hand select your products. They'll bag them up neatly and that they'll deliver them within a specified delivery window. I have never had a problem with the products, the groceries, or the service from Instacart. And if you follow the show notes and you let Instacart know that we sent you, they'll provide you free delivery on your first order of over $35. I highly recommend it. And I think that it, for me, has been one of the life-changing services that I've gotten involved with. I'm not a guy who does a lot of internet shopping, but this is something I don't like to be without. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.